0: Hi and welcome to Beyond Users Podcast, where designers learn about business. This is the second episode of New Format called Business Design Gem, where we basically look at interesting examples from the business world and try to stake some takeaways for us designers. The guest was Jonathan, a founder of Agent Smart, a pretty famous agency here based in Berlin. And we talked about different examples, such as Tesla, PewDiePie. Uh, Microsoft Xbox and also a lot about agent smart products and journey so far among other things uh, we also talked about how Jonathan almost bankrupted the agency this summer and how he actually uh, solved it now so I think that's enough in the intro let's just get started with the uh, conversation itself No Hello. it's <laughs> Hey Jonathan.
1: Hey, how are you doing man? I'm doing well. and You? Good actually, yeah. I've a bit of a little tiny bit of a headache, but uh okay. I think it's because I've been playing too much Red Dead Redemption. Oh, really? Yeah. I've for ho- for how long now? Um, so I bought it last Saturday and I think I already played 30 hours of it.
0: Binge playing, okay. Oh
1: my god, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Actually, that's the business model I want to talk about. No, <laughs> it's just so good.
0: Cool. Um, so Let's just start with the first one. I'll just begin and then let's go from so there. So you're doing an intro so people know what this is about? Or we just start like no, this? No, no, and- no. I'm doing an intro before that. But yeah, I can you also shouldn't. Do it just let it <laughs> let it
1: Just let it be really confusing. This is
0: actually the second one of the business design gems, okay. So some listeners are going to know what it's about, but some might not. Okay. So what are we going to do then, Jonathan? Is hey. basically talk. <laughs> Each of us is going to talk to through uh, two examples of uh, business models and business designs we like. And then we're going to bring it back to how is this relevant for designers and for our work. Cool. Cool. So I'll begin with uh, one of my favorite examples. It's basically Tesla's business plan and how they are planning to create affordable electric car. Yeah. Maybe you know it. it I know like it. was like a really I interesting... I'm going to spoil it for you now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's fine. Um, it was like a really cool article on the weight, but Why? And the reason why I like it is basically it shows how you can think about your product. If it's something really revolutionary, how you can create like a roadmap that really brings you to your final goal.
1: Do you know that I met Tim from Wait, but why?
0: Really? Yeah, a few weeks ago. And it, how is he in just person? The
1: f- most like intense, intelligent person I've ever met. I didn't. I didn't say one word for one hour. Really? Yeah. I wasn't doing a podcast. I was having breakfast with him, and it was like really. I asked him, you know, I think it was like, what's your thoughts on AI? End of it. That's oh, the end of it. Yeah. Really, really, really smart, dude. So
0: that was in the US? Or? It was in New York, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that's just me name dropping. You're not, not going
1: to get anything <laughs> done in this podcast because I'm going to keep interrupting you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Tim is actually the guy who wrote this uh, article and he is, he's running a really successful blog, waitbutwhy.com. So uh, the example that we're going to cover now is this Tesla and what te- Tesla actually has done. So in around 2000, when Musk and the other three founders actually took over. Their Who's mission, Musk? Elon Musk. <laughs> the Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that guy, I mean, the four of them actually, since the beginning, the mission and the vision was to kind of create affordable electric car. Right. Yeah. But at that point, the technology was so expensive that there was more, no way you can make an affordable car, which means around thirty k dollars, let's say. So the, the plan they have created is actually to start first with low volume but super high priced cars, which were basically then like uh, competitors for Ferrari, Lamborghinis, whatever. And this is what came to be Roadster, right? Which was like a product that costed hundred thousand dollars. And the nice thing about that was actually that this first product, which was feasible at the time, then gave him the revenue to actually go and create this affordable uh, electric car, which is now going to be Tesla 3, which is not out yet. So, The Model 3 is not out yet? Is it? I think so.
1: I think some people have it already.
0: Yeah, okay. Maybe I'm
1: wrong, but I don't know actually. I Uh, I know that I was listening to the Kara Swisher interview with Elon Musk yesterday, and I think people are getting their Model 3s already. But okay. I actually don't
0: know. Okay, cool. So the, then they are out. So done. this is already happened. Check people. business done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I also like about it is that it shows that you cannot jump from just your initial idea to the end. So what I've done in between is also kind of create a uh, mid-volume, mid-price car, the Tesla Roadster. No, the Roadster, the Model S, which was like eighty thousand dollars or something, and basically through this. Years of development, they always had enough time and money to actually do it right uh, so this is something that a lot of people also especially startups don 't think about enough. you know how do I get to my final idea through maybe selling something else and uh one thing that's also maybe um, interesting is to think about your. Sorry, that's that me. I'm was very unprofessional.
1: <laughs> I hope this podcast is unprofessional like mine, and you leave this in. I <laughs> will leave it in. Don't worry. Leave it in. How annoying I am to interview. <laughs> By the way, fun. can I interrupt? Can I ask? Can yeah, I say something? Sure. sure. Um, so you mentioned something really interesting there, which I think would be interesting to designers, and especially when it comes to sales. A lot of designers, they present all of their ideas up front to clients when clients call them and they do a sales call. It's like, so what can you do? And they're like, oh, I can do this and 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 I can do this. At AJ and Smart, we offer one thing up front. There's one option, there's no other options. And they would have to, the client would have to dig and dig and dig and dig to find that there are other options. So we make it very simple for them how to start working with us. I think the the Roadster example is interesting because, yes, Elon Musk wanted to get to the point where they're selling high volume of a low-cost car. Mm. But in the beginning, instead of trying to do everything at once, instead of trying to also talk about everything at once, they started with one thing. They started with one. And for example, our one thing is actually also our most expensive thing. So all of our upsells are actually downsells. So everything that you get after, when a client works with us, it's like up to 80,000 euro in one go. But after that, we try to upsell them or downsell them on some online stuff or like our online courses and stuff like this. So we don't start off the conversation with, here's everything we do. It's we start off the conversation with, here's the one thing that you can, and then you're in our ecosystem and then there's a lot more things you can buy.
0: I can just totally agree. Like when you see these portfolios and CVs where they can do like, everything but then there's I do
1: websites and branding <laughs> and logos and that's a real problem. Yeah. It's a real problem because the client has to figure out what they want whereas if a client calls us there's one option we make it super clear. Yeah. We don't need all this other stuff you just need
0: this. Yeah. And the uh, paradoxically once you decide that one thing when you focus you can do many things out of it but you just need to kind of get your Uh, first thing out and kind of
1: i think i would give advice yesterday i looked at a portfolio Uh, maybe she listens to your podcast um well i won't say the name anyway but i looked at her website and she was saying she's having some problems with sales the website was way too general it was we craft experiences was written on the main copy we craft beautiful experiences if i'm the client what do i Understand by we craft nothing right. There's multiple options. It could be branding, it could be design, it could be UI, it could be UX, and it was a mixture of all of those things. But for me, it just wasn't clear enough what this company does. Yeah. When you go to the AJ and Smart website, which is the worst website in the world, you have this very blunt piece of text at the very start that says "Better products faster." Meaning we're ignoring, we, it, it means that immediately we say we don't do logos, we don't do, even websites we don't do, right? We're being very clear about what we don't do and very clear about what we do do, even though if you would work with us for a while, you'd find out we also do strategy consulting and all of these other things, but we mm-hmm. don't even mention them.
0: Actually, I wanted to bring up also you as an example. So the reason why I wanted to talk about Tesla and what I brought it up is because I think you actually also had a similar approach now, if we look at the the masterclass course mm. that you just recently put up, you didn't start with that, right? No. You basically, started with doing the in-person uh, workshops, which were much more expensive.
1: Yeah, like six thousand euro up to six thousand. Exactly,
0: euro. and through that experience, then you learn what you have to include in the online course. Exactly. So, so it's it's basically the same thing, right?
1: It's very similar. So. Um in the beginning, we were doing you know looking to try to make around 50,000 50, euro per boot camp. and these are the in-person boot camps. And now we do a lot less of these boot camps because the 1,000 euro online course is just doing so well.
0: Yeah. So maybe one thing that also as a framework that uh, listeners can take from this discussion is there's this, th- this thing called uh, McKinsey's Three Horizon. Have you heard of it? No. Three Horizons. So basically, it's an idea where you basically ask yourself, okay, what is my current business? Which is the Horizon 1. Then you ask yourself, okay, where do I want to be? Which is Horizon 3. And this is where usually people just stop. Okay, Mm -hmm. I want to be there. Let's get there. But then the Horizon 2 is kind of the key. Where you ask yourself, yeah, how do I get there? And there's this, of course, really nice case study of Microsoft trying to get into the the gaming uh, consoles ah. yeah, with the Xbox. I don't so know this case actually, study. Actually, they didn't start with the Xbox. They first started by doing the Age of Empires and the keyboards and the mouse right, for gaming to actually test the field to see for themselves. And this was much cheaper than creating an Xbox. Uh, and this is something all of us can just use right? whenever we're thinking about the products. If there is something that's super hard to start with, And it's probably not going to generate enough revenue. There may be baby steps we can take. Yeah. More expensive products.
1: One example um, with our masterclass is that, well, the baby step for us was doing the in-person events because it's actually easier to figure out how to do an in-person event than it is to figure out how to sell things online. Um, We had no experience selling things online. So the in-person events was really, if you think about it, like the easiest way for us to start. But when we decided to do the online course we decided that, okay, filming the entire thing is gonna take a month, right? Getting all these videos done. Let's try to sell it before it ever exists. So for two months before the course existed, we sold it and tried to make money out of it to see if it actually is something that sticks. Yeah. And out of this selling, we also learned what should go into the course. So we didn't build it before we actually had a lot of validation, a lot of money already beforehand out of people's pockets and a lot of feedback before it ever existed because for us it was easier to figure out mm-hmm. how to quickly sell it and build the systems for selling it than building the entire thing and then start selling it.
0: Yeah, let's talk about this. I think this is a super interesting case. So maybe being very concrete, how did you pre-sell your product? What was what was it a website? What was the price? And then looking back at this experience, what is important for anyone who tries to basically do this kind of test right pre-selling yeah. your product
1: so right now we are about to launch we're working on a product that we're going to launch at the end of january 2019
0: and that's a secret right
1: it's a well it's, it's i mean i really don't care about secrets so it doesn't really matter it's not like someone else is going to be able to make the exact same thing anyway <laughs> so it's an upsell from the master class um, and it's focused on people who are running design businesses or small businesses working in the sort of consulting space that is in the design or product space. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it doesn't exist. It won't really exist for another few weeks. I'm having a baby now and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but on Monday, we started selling it at a very high price. Uh, 4,500 euro is the license price for one Whoa. ticket for, for an online uh, program. Um, but Sorry, is that
0: a pre-sale price now?
1: This is the going to be the pre-sale price and likely the real price will be similar. So instead of doing a pre-sale price we decided that we're going to try to sell it at the high, at the price we want to sell it at. Um, Why? because we just want to we we believe that we believe that we can make we want to we want people to spend what they would actually spend when it really mm. comes out. And we don't want to get a false idea about what people would actually spend. And also, we're not testing. We're not asking people if they would spend money. We're asking them to spend money yeah. in the moment.
0: But a lot of people are like scared, you know? Like, oh, shit, like, this might go wrong if I ask for the full price.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can give the money back if it goes wrong.
0: No, I mean, like as an entrepreneur, like you are scared that if you put the full price, which you want to have, that you might scare people off in the beginning. So that's why yeah. I feel like a lot of people who are just starting off try to lower their prices yeah
1: what I think w- w- in yeah. The, for the master class we had a lower test a test group price of seven six seventy seven or something <laughs> um and now we sell it for one thousand five hundred euro um and this worked quite well and the the only goal for us was to try to validate it, but again, with this new course, this new course we haven't even made one video for it yet we don't really 100% know exactly what's going to be in the course but we're trying to get people to buy into it we're trying to figure well, our goal is to figure out the sales process first then mm. figure out exactly what's in the product and this is some this is also the opposite to what a lot of designers do but this is also how we think about selling our our design sprints or any of our ux uh ux kind of services that we did before we never did them and then sold them later We would tell the client, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we know how to run an innovation workshop. No problem. Here's what the package is. And then if they bought it, we would have to figure out how to do it. (laughs) So even the design sprint process, um, the first one we did was six months before the book came out. So we didn't really know how it was supposed to work, but we sold it to a company and we figured out it's really easy to sell these small packages. Um, And so we had to invent a little bit what it was before the book came out as well, which was really funny. (laughs) We even started selling Design Sprint boot camps, the, the one that you can now go to before the book came out. And that's a little bit how the Design Sprint AJ and Smart version started to exist because we were
0: guessing what was supposed to be in this Design Sprint process. But how do you do that? Like, how do you, for this um, masterclass, the upsell now for yeah, the, the upsell? For the, okay, yeah. Exactly, right? It's called Level Up. Level Up. So for the Level Up, how exactly have you, or are you, how do you plan to do the test?
1: Yeah, so myself and Laura, who you've met, uh, she's the head of our sort of online courses and digital offerings. We sat down together, and the first thing we did was we had like three or four options of what an upsell could be. One, two of them were in-person, and two of them were digital products. Uh, one of them was like a way, kind of like an index to so facilitators could be accredited, and then you know other companies could search for facilitators in their area. Uh, one of them was this level up course. Um, we realized that the level up course is the thing that we feel we can actually teach people and actually help people with, without having to change what we are today. Whereas the other things we would we would have had to learn a lot of new things and a lot of do a lot of new things to make those things exist. So literally level up for us was the easiest option that had the highest benefit also for the people who take it Um, and we decided on Wednesday was the day where we decided what what like we did a sprint on it basically so Wednesday was our Monday of the sprint we started we figured out okay what's this going to be what's the scope of it by the end of uh, Wednesday we had an idea like concept sketches of what this course would have and Tuesday, we figured out pretty much the storyboard of how we were going to sell it. We wrote the script for the sales calls. Wednesday, we perfected the script and we started getting people from the Masterclass Facebook group into these uh, into a call booking system. We created the landing page also on Wednesday. It's ajsmart.com forward slash. Actually, I won't tell you that one <laughs> um, because it's a secret until 2019. Um, and also, it doesn't matter if you go to it because you have to go through a call with us anyway if, it, if you yeah. want to buy it. Uh, we decided that you have to do the masterclass you can just buy on the website. This course, you can't. You have to go through a one-hour call with us because we want to make sure that the right people are coming into it and that the network that we build there is super valuable for everyone in the, in the network. So everyone has to be making a minimum of 100,000 euro to start this course. So we also put this limitation in as well. We were, we were thinking it was going to be 500,000 euro, but actually it wasn't, we thought it was maybe not the smartest idea because people who are making 100,000 euro have a lot of potential to bring that yeah. up to a million. Um, and the test happened on Monday this week. Uh, it was a full day of sales calls. We, we, we read it, we read from the script, five people start to finish. And it looks, well, I can't tell you until midnight tonight, yeah. but it looks like we sold three out of five of those calls. Wow. Converted three out of five. And then Monday coming up next week, we do
0: another five calls. And you say you're going to see by tonight because you gave them the deadline, we give them to, them a make, deadline. to make a decision. And yeah. how does this call look like? So in your case, basically, the MVP was the call,
1: right? The MVP is the call. If We said if two people buy it, we'll make the course. If they don't, we give back the money to the person. who Out of bought. the five? Out or of five.
0: Okay, cool. Out
1: of those five, if two Out people five. buy it. If they didn't, we would have rethought it and tried again.
0: Okay. This is super interesting. Uh, tell us maybe anything more like about this call like how does it look like i mean the reason why i'm asking because it's not that natural to think about uh i i, I guess a lot of people would see it as a highly unscalable thing to do you know <laughs> yeah so here's the thing if
1: we can create a scripted system for our calls by the way we were reading from a script the same every time So the goal was that it has to be the same script every time, Mm -hmm. and anybody should be able to do this sales call. That's the goal. So it doesn't just have to be me. Now, if you think about it, if we are charging like 60 to 80K per month uh, uh, when we book a client for a sprint, if we just make 12 sales per month, 12 to 13 sales per month on this new course, wait a second, 12 times, yeah, that's 60K. Yeah, it's around 12 people, yeah. Um, so that's just 12 calls per month to already have a revenue stream that is equal to one full team here doing design sprints. So that's the way we're looking at it. So it's, even though it's not as scalable as the masterclass, the masterclass just hit half a million three weeks ago since May, which is really amazing for us. Five months. Yeah. It's been, it's been like around average a hundred thousand euro per month. Wow. Um, that's like our entry level product. That's yeah. the, that is the way you get into our, um, into our ecosystem on the digital side. Um, and the up, level up course, it's not supposed to be scalable. It's supposed to be much more hands-on. I actually will do very long coaching calls every month for that course. Mm. Group coaching calls, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, the goal of that course is to be really, really crazy valuable. So it's much more hands-on.
0: Yeah. But a smaller group of people. That sounds really amazing. I'm looking forward to. (laughs) I'm not running. I think you would uh, decline me. But um, what's going to be the hashtag there? Hashtag buy sprint? Hashtag. Hashtag, It will will always be hashtag by
1: sprint. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it has nothing to do with the design sprint, it will always be hashtag by sprint. Cool.
0: How did we get there? So the question was um, for you guys, how did you test? Yeah. So this was the test now, right? So what is the next step then? The next step is, uh, so
1: the test was successful. So on Monday, we, Monday morning, we plan out the shots. Like, what are we actually going to film? How long is that going to take? When, what is actually in the course? Like, what is it really going to be about? What software are we using to host the course? All of this kind of stuff. And um, on Monday, we'll also do some test videos of what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, Monday afternoon, then we have more sales calls to test them out. And it did, we, we're, go, we're iterating on the sales script. Um, we learned a few things, in and se- I think we would have converted all five people if we'd just done a little bit better.
0: So next time it's going to be five out of five. Next time, <laughs> I hope so. That was just one thing. So the idea of selling something that's not there, uh, especially B two B, which is now your case, uh, is kind of scary to a lot of. Uh, people working in such setting, right? Because mm. you could burn your customers, and there aren't many—not as it's many like as Kickstarter or. or something. Yeah. So, how do you look? How are you looking at this problem of burn? Basically, burning through your customers with a f- potentially fake uh, or wrong value proposition.
1: Hmm. Um, I guess I trust that what we create is very high value. Okay. Um, usually, people react really well to what we do and for me protecting the aj and smart brand is number one priority so i just know that we wouldn't put out something that is shit even though i did worry a little bit when we were about to release the masterclass, i was like oh i hope people are not disappointed <laughs> um but we have like the saying uh getting started is more important than being right so when the masterclass launched we also, I mean, we got mostly great feedback, but people wanted a lot more different things in there than we expected. Yeah. So we just made those videos over the next three
0: months. Cool. Oh, we I think we deviated from the <laughs> initial idea, but yeah, normal. yeah, no, but it's awesome. I think there were a lot of also interesting details in there. So kind of just to wrap it up, if you are thinking about your final product, kind of your vision, always also think about how you can you get there with baby I, steps, right? I
1: think my What you should take from me is that designers especially think too much about the product and getting the product right. But actually, you should be thinking about how do you sell this thing? How do you talk talk about this thing? That's more important, in my opinion, when unless you're making something crazy amazing like an Apple product, then the product matters. The marketing matters and the product matters. But if you're doing something in a commodity business, so for example, if you're a UX designer and one other billion people are UX designers slightly better or slightly worse than you, then you better have a good way to position yourself and sell yourself and not just be the same as everyone else.
0: You just opened another topic that's very dear to my mind, <laughs> which is basically the non-producty uh, prototypes. I mean, as a business designer, what you just mm. described, this is kind of the prototype we yeah. would come up with, right? Yeah. So it's a for sales example, the, exactly, the it's sales prototype, exactly. It's like multiple. We
1: we're, we're going straight in and building on click funnels, using Stripe for checkout, using yeah. Teachable to like it's multiple different pieces of software to make this one prototype, and in the end, it's pretty much the. Like, we thought with the master class, we still have this shitty ClickFunnels page we made at the very start for the test because we're like, ah, it works, whatever. Let's just use that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but tell me one thing. Sorry, I have to keep going because it's super interesting. No problem. Have you, When you started thinking about this level up course, mm-hmm. have you thought about, like, what is the end goal? How much we want to make with it?
1: Yeah. And then work your way back? No, not really. <laughs> we just, nah, not, but kind of. With the master class, we want to make 180,000 euro per month with only three people working on it um that's kind of our that was our goal when we did the design sprint that was our long-term goal um with the level up course the goal is uh which we discussed today is to sell a minimum of 12 licenses per month um and obviously i mean that those are like our big picture we we kind of have our company values and principles which which means that everything we make has to be an excellent product that Top delivers lunch. value and we always do crazy customer service i mean most people who have one of these online courses they would wait a very very long time before they hire a full-time customer service uh person we hired a customer service person pretty much immediately who's full-time now um so we have already three people working on the master class alone uh, to make sure it's the best experience even though to be technically honest we wouldn't have to do anything anymore to to make one hundred K per month besides running the ads properly.
0: Yeah. No, but the nice thing about it from the business design perspective is as soon as you know that you wanna hit twelve uh customers per month, you can start testing that, you know, almost immediately. You just say, Okay, yeah. to achieve twelve we might need to have thirty calls. What exactly. does it take to get thirty calls? Exactly. Right? And these are all the mini prototypes you can be doing from the business perspective, yeah. not so much from the product. Hundred percent so also needs to be top doing. notch. Yeah.
1: you you're gonna Maybe start seeing. Are you in the masterclass, by the way, or have you ever clicked on the masterclass landing page? Yeah, it's
0: following me all okay, over. Okay, the then you're gonna <laughs> then you will see ads for our new thing. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Looking forward. So, I just want to uh, now give you the chance to talk about your first uh, example.
1: Okay. Um, well, there's actually a lot of different examples now. Maybe I'll go for the more fun one first. Um, I think a business model that people ignore a lot is something like what PewDiePie does. PewDiePie is a guy called Felix Kudjur something. He's the, He's been the number one YouTuber, number one subscribed YouTuber for the last uh, 10 years, I guess. People know Casey Neistat for some reason, yeah. but he has 10 million. This guy has 69 million What kind of videos does he Just do? silly, nerdy. He started as one of these gamer streamers, uh-huh. and now he kind of, he always gets in trouble because he always accidentally says something really bad because he puts out a video every day. So this is a guy which once per year, the entire internet freaks out at him because he says something sexist or racist or something by accident on a live stream. <laughs> um, but he is, from a business model point of view, what I find really interesting is that he's a one-man show. It's one, it's him and two uh, freelance editors. And that's the whole business. He he did start building a team at one point, but he hated it and got rid of everybody. So now it's him in a really lo-fi, like his bedroom, recording videos, and he makes approximately $800,000 uh, euro per month or more just per for man month. revenue wow. and then on top of that he sells like merch merchandise like t-shirts and stuff like that um, which he also makes quite a bit of money from and what i find really interesting is just that when i see things like this when i see uh, economies of scale like that it makes me think about why are we playing by the rules when someone like that doesn't have to play by the rules um, and I That's know this other guy called Iman, he's actually someone who's helped us out mm-hmm. in our business a little bit, a guy called Iman Gadzi. Um, and he's, he's, he, when I met him, he was 17, He was just him on his own, and he was making double the revenue of AJ and Smart pretty much, Wow! on his own. And again, this made me think, why are we playing by the rules? Where did we fi- find, I always thought we were playing by our own rules, but obviously we're not. People like him understand how to use the internet, yeah. not people like us. Um, and so there's like a, sort of like a new type of person coming into the market. And um, Sam Ovens, I was, I was mentioning him as well. He And by the way, he's, he's kind of a character that a lot of people don't like because he's got a very robotic um, personality. He's not very charismatic. But he's built a very clever system for selling uh, courses and in-person training and consulting. He owns the website consulting.com. <laughs> um, a lot of people. If you look at him, you probably immediately think it's a scam or something. Um, It's not a scam. He's actually really. His courses are the most ridiculously detailed, crazy things I've ever seen in my life. I would never like his. How course, much do they cost? Not crazy amounts. His for the entry level course is two th- two thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. The second course you can buy is about five thousand dollars and uh, the in person stuff is $18,000 per year but you get to go to three in person events okay um and already the courses and the the kind of calls that we've had with his team have dramatically like the the return on investment has been humongous like the it's actually excellent stuff but i think um a lot of people from the outside don't realize a lot of people from the outside think it's just like oh these this guys a scam or this fucking ads or whatever um But from the other side, you realize, oh, they're just really good at getting people in. And when you're in, it's actually excellent. They don't need to convince you of anything anymore because the stuff is so good. Um, And I think what's interesting there is that I think his company is making either 18 or $28 million revenue per year. Um, I can't remember whether it's 18 or 28 million. How many employees? So that was the, I think it's like around twenty employees or something. Wow. So that's around one million
0: per person. Yeah, it's that's a, it's amazing. A, it's
1: like insanely good compared to AJ and Smart. <laughs> <laughs> any agency. Any any agency. And I think the other the reason is they're again, they're not playing by the rules. They're yeah. not trying to do what everyone else is doing. They were a consulting company, stopped being a consulting company, and just went all in on helping I mean it's a it sounds sometimes like a pyramid scheme they're helping other people figure out how to sell their consulting services um, and I have no idea like if that's sustainable in the long term but the value that we were able to get from their courses has been insane and they're working outside of the normal course ecosystems which I find really interesting it's not something you buy on you know some college or some course website it's actually hard to find all of the stuff they offer because they're so careful about their funnels about just showing you one thing um one thing i also like about his strategy is that he requires a lot of time from you minimum one hour and a half before like you have to pay attention to his video for one and a half hours his like webinar thing before you ever even get the chance to buy something so there's no possibility to buy something from this guy unless you put the time and attention into actually doing watching through this thing and I think, is
0: this would you say he's successful because of that or despite of so. that?
1: I think I think because of it. So we've been testing that as well with the basically with the master class, if 99% of the people who buy it don't know that you can go and find that landing page and just click the buy button because we have it really hidden. It's not SEO optimized or anything. Everyone's coming through the ads and the ads are going straight to the video, which is an hour and a half long. And the only way to find your way to the buying page is to get to the end of that video. So it all automatically filters out people who wouldn't be interested and would waste our time. Yeah. Um, and the only people who are left at the end are actually people who are passionate and in- interested. It's the same with the level up course. Unless you're willing to make the time to have a one hour call with us, then there's no
0: point in even trying to buy it. So basically, you're trying to filter out all the customers who are not serious at the first level. So you can also kind of afford to have just a few employees. So you don't try to waste so much energy on all the rest. That's interesting.
1: And I think that's a... It seems like... I recently saw another video from Sam Ovens, which was one hour and a half. And if you tried to... There was a button on the page that says, I am not interested and it was the only button you could click. And the only way you can get out of this page and find what he's actually selling is if you finish watching the video. Oh, wow. And it's really like, and when you leave the page, it's really aggressive. It's like, um, clearly you're not interested. That's really fine. Um, here's some things you can read about, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So, it, and, but you, and also, um, he did, for this level up, so for his upsell, um, you have to do a survey before the call. Same with our one. So before you even have a chance to have a call with us, you have to fill out the survey. We have to read it and decide whether it makes sense for this person to have the call. Yeah. Because So there's actually three steps you have to do before we will even offer you the ability to spend money because we want to make sure that you're not just a person who spends money on courses and then doesn't use it. We really, really want we want you to be happy about it. That's the thing, right? It's the same with our sprints, design sprints. We don't want any client to come in. We had a client in our office this week. We were doing a pre-sprint sort of meeting. Um, it actually went on for like seven hours. This is a rare thing. It was because they were on, not very aligned on what they wanted to do. And at the end of the at the end of the day, even though this would have been a huge project with a really great brand, the only thing I could say to them was, I don't think. I don't think it would be a good idea to spend money on us doing a sprint for you. It's not the time. It's definitely not the right topic. There's too much misalignment here. There's too much infighting in your team. And I feel like if you paid us to do it, we wouldn't be able to hit this like kind of level of perfection that we're hoping for. Um, So we just didn't make it, we didn't tell them that there was an option to do a sprint with us and so that's it's important for me that the only people who spend money with us really want to and don't feel like they have to
0: mm. by the way to go back to the uh beginning basically which is don't play by the rules and also kind of one person being able to make so much money have you heard of the book small giants i bought it but i never finished <laughs> it <laughs> Yeah, but kind of the subtitle tells it everything. Like, so uh, strive to being great instead of big, and the idea here is. So I went to a business school, and one of the things you never ask yourself in a business school is, should I grow or not? Yeah, because the answer is yes. You have to grow, right? Yeah. And this book really opened my eyes to: Do you don't need to? Like, it's mm. one of those unwritten rules that everybody follows. Like, I want, I need to be the next startup. I need to be the next yeah. hundred million thing, right? But you don't need to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Although I think that growth is a natural human instinct that you need some growth in some areas. So for me, even though I don't want to have a big company, I do want this company to make more revenue every year. It's like something built in that I can't explain. But it it feels like, um, I guess I'm just burping while I'm talking here. It (laughs) It feels like if we had the same revenue this year as next year or less revenue next year, that would feel to me like I'm going backwards.
0: Well, one thing is also how you measure it because a lot of people are fixated just on the revenue and you can also look at it revenue per employee and then it becomes yeah. a bit different.
1: But I mean, absolutely, you're right, you're right. And that's a, that def, definitely an interesting way of looking at it. I actually look at it in c- terms of cash flow more than anything. I'm looking for a, in terms of burn rate, I want to have up to six months of cash in the bank and this is something that's even more important to me than revenue and profit, um, and that's something that we've always been very bad at, and for the very first time ever, we're good at right now. Okay, let's talk about it. I think cash <laughs> flow
0: versus revenue is a super important topic, yeah. and just understanding what cash flow is and why is it important for mm-hmm. companies. Maybe first tell us like why is it so important and how did you figure out uh, yeah. what how kind do of do problems? Do, out? No, how, what kind of problems did you have uh, before you kind of start thinking about the cash flow?
1: Okay, so. The kinds of problems that you'll have and that every agency has just before they go bankrupt is that they have a lot of contracts. It looks like the numbers for the year are going to be really good. Looks like the profit margin for the year is going to be really good. But then they realize they can't pay their employees for some reason. And a normal founder like me doesn't understand what's after happening. If everything is really looking good on paper, but still it's not working so this is where cash flow comes in and our one of our accountants actually exp- so we had a really bad accountant for many years and she just <laughs> never explained that we had a problem with cash flow and then we had a um we kind of got in like a, a consultant to have a look at our numbers and she was like your cash flow is really bad like really dangerously bad and i was like what do you mean cash flow and she was like how much money is in like how much money you have to actually use how much cash not not how much potential cash not how much might come in in december how much money you have now and how much money is in your bank and how much is actually coming in literally cash yeah. so including you even count the money that will be later taxed As your cash flow right because you're like okay well that's just it is literally also money even though that's going to go out as tax in this point you still have an option to use some of that before it gets taxed if you're good with your cash flow so i think amazon for example is a company that relies solely on cash flow they pretty much don't make profit or at least they don't care about profit but they have a lot of tactics to make sure that cash flow runs really well in their company and we're starting to try to get better at that now um, you know, by having people pay upfront, um, by having people pay in multiple install installments instead of at the end, um, in some cases we won't take a client on if their payment terms go against our cash flow uh targets. So, for example, some companies might be like, "Oh, we don't, we can only pay within ninety days after the project ends." We think cool, like in the past we would have been like, cool, yeah, I mean, it's money coming in and it's money coming in in 2016. So basically that looks good on the books, but actually it it can
0: kill your company because you don't have enough money to pay anybody until that money yeah. comes in. But basically in layman's terms, revenue is basically, when you send out an invoice, it counts like your revenue. Yeah. And when you get money to the bank, it's your cash flow. Yeah. And on paper you could be profitable, but has zero money in your yes. uh, bank account. And it means you have to, close the shop it means basically you're dead. yeah so how did you now create this cushion of six months uh, the
1: online course
0: oh okay
1: everything else uh we had a really bad quarter one uh due to really bad strategic decisions made by me <laughs> um really bad I, I actually thought that i was going to be able to build a separate training team that would make three million euro this year uh made maybe it made half a million So I was pretty far off and I had to close down that team. Um, Total disaster. And so we had really big cash flow issues in the first two quarters this year. And one of the reasons we even made the online course was to test out if we could help improve our cash flow with something like this. Um, We were going to wait to do it till like June or July, but because of the cash flow, I decided to go all in and get it done by May. And um, yeah, it's been a really amazing cash flow buffer creator
0: and why is it important to have kind of six months? And w- how many months is enough? You know, Because a lot of people might be asking, oh, but six months is not enough for a business. Yeah, so
1: have. you don't want to have loads of money in your account just sitting around not being reinvested mm-hmm. either. So I think a lot of agencies struggle to get more than four months, at least from what I've heard, three to four months, talking to agency founders that I know. Also in very successful companies, uh, even in the biggest ones, they're like, yeah, it's usually around three to four months we have of running costs. Um, That's usually the same for us as well. Right now it's six months just because of the, well, (laughs) better strategic decisions. Um, Why it's important is because you're not in a constant reactive state you actually get to think about the future of your business. If your cash flow is low, all you care about is filling up your cash flow and making sure the business can run. Now I can invest in the future. Now I can think about what's next. Now I can think about why does AJ and Smart uh, exist five years from now? But in May, I couldn't think of anything besides how do we get the cash flow up so that we don't go bankrupt. Um, yeah, so I think uh, having, cash flow, having a cash flow buffer of multiple months um, is super important. How many months... It seems like six is kind of, if you go over six, it might mean that you're not spending enough on growing the Mm, business. Exactly,
0: yeah.
1: Um, And that's kind of how we look at it. So like on the one hand, we want to have enough money in the bank account. So if the economy shits itself, we want to be ready. But we would rather not be in a reactionary state. So we want to spend some of that money on proactive um, future business building activities, which is what my main job is at AJ and Smart.
0: And the cushion definitely depends on the industry you're in and yes. also kind of the type of business you have. But it's also super important what you said, like having too much is also not a good thing. It's not a good yeah.
1: th- I mean, some companies would disagree. Basecamp would disagree, for example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Apple would disagree, for example, um, because they've their cushion is so big now it, they could probably run for a billion years. Um, but I believe in reinvesting. Um, and I also don't really believe in reinvesting into the founders or the owners' pockets. I believe in reinvesting into the company. So, I mean, we have a way bigger office than we need for how many people are hanging around here. We have we don't need this amount of space and niceness here, but I'm investing in a future where people want to work in a nice place when we have more people, I guess. Um, and this is something where it's just all of, always about thinking, and for example, right now, it would be really good for me to close down one of these offices because we have you know if I closed one of the wings here at A j and Smart, we'd save a ton of cash, and it would be great, but also wouldn't make sense for the future of the business, right? It wouldn't be giving us room to grow, it would be thinking super short term. so I think having a good cash flow and making sure that you on the one hand build up your cash flow, but on the other hand, reinvest everything that you can, that you should, um, helps the company to sustain and also helps people to realize that it's moving somewhere and not just stagnant.
0: Yeah. Actually, this brought us to a really interesting topic, which we don't have time to cover, but maybe we can do a, like... Lightning round. Business Design Jam 3 with Jonathan, where, I mean, one thing uh, I wanted to also ask you about is, you know, how do you go from the service Business to product one. But mm. let's not do it today. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Right? Yeah, because this is something we can do like for, for hours, I guess. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are asking themselves how to do that. And for many entrepreneurs, it's also a better way to maybe start with a consultancy than to go direct to product. I think so. I mean, I'm,
1: I, I well, with a product, you're likely going to need funding to get that thing moving. Mm. Whereas with a consultancy, you can build up a cash flow first, it's easier and then figure out product things later. Um, But then again, product people generally get much richer because they take the bigger risk. I wasn't willing to take that risk. I didn't have a product vision. I didn't have a product idea. Um, So it's just also a type of person thing,
0: I think. Yeah. So listeners, let us know on Instagram uh, or Twitter if you want to hear the... Or TikTok. (laughs) You don't know about TikTok? (laughs) So just uh, let us let know me or Jonathan if you want to hear more about that story how to move from the uh service to product.
1: That's going to be in the course by the way. It's the
0: first part of the course. Okay. So then buy it. I buy <laughs>
1: <laughs> buy it but you can't buy it. Please buy it but you can't buy it.
0: Cool. Well, thanks a lot Jonathan for taking the time you. sharing
1: all these details with us. Thank you very much. And what are you going to call this episode?
0: It's going to be called Business Design Jam 2 with oh. Jonathan.
1: I wonder, um, so one thing I've learned over the last few months is that it's better to choose names that will excite people instead of being consistent. So for example, we had the Sunday Slap for a while. And instead of calling it the Sunday Slap 1, Sunday Slap 2, we just decided to name it the most exciting thing in there and then have Sunday Slap at the very end. It Uh. got a lot more listens, a lot more views. Um, I think you should call this one how, how to almost bankrupt your company or something like that, you know, <laughs> something ridiculous, then, more, then lots of people Actually, listen. I'll try this. Yeah, and yeah. then Business Design Jam said sub- like end. as a subtitle.
0: Okay, cool. I'll try this and I'll let you know how the numbers go.
1: Because it's crazy on my podcast, if, yeah. I, if I don't choose a name that gets people excited, yeah. it gets 1,000 less listens.
0: Wow. That's like a lot, this week's way.
1: podcast, yeah. uh, I, I made a mistake and didn't choose the right name. The 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 Brittany and Kit when working on YouTube videos here often choose a kind of generic name. Yeah. The difference is thousands and thousands of user listens.
0: How many listeners do you have on your podcast? Just right
1: now, uh approximately six thousand every week. I'm That's trying to get to ten thousand by awesome. the end of the year. Cool. Listen to my podcast, please.
0: <laughs> I'll include a link in the show notes. Are you listening? I'm listening, definitely. Cool. So I definitely suggested to. Cool, great. Are you are
1: you listeners listening? Okay, I gotta I gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot for having me Thank on your you. podcast. It was a pleasure.
0: Pleasure is mine.
1: Pleasure is mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it. It today's episode. Before you turn off, I just have a couple of more things. First of all, you know, as a designer, how important feedback is. So uh, as this is a new format, this business design jam, which is a little bit less structured. uh, As you've seen, we didn't even cover the two examples that Jonathan and me had. We basically all just shared one. Um, But yeah, it's more kind of a free-flowing conversation. And I would just like to hear from you guys if you like it. So just reach me on Twitter, email, Instagram, whatever works for you. And let me know if uh, this is something that works for you. And also, if you have any suggestions for guests, who else would you like to hear on Business Design Jam or Beyond Users? Which also brings me to the next point, the ratings on iTunes, which I know you're fed up with if you're listening to any podcasts because everybody's asking for them. But I think that uh, it helps with is kind of convincing the guests to actually take the time uh, to talk to us because if they see more ratings, then it it's basically easier to convince them. So really, like if you're enjoying this show, I would also really enjoy you leaving the comment and the rating uh, and it really helped me out so that's it for now um yeah I'll guess I'll be in touch soon when the new podcast is out bye bye